Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to That's Politics Podcast, hosted by Yasanak Gung and Freya Greaves. Hello and welcome to That Politics Podcast, where we are going to be talking about politics and kind of news of the moment in a as unbiased a way as possible when they're complete idiots, let's be honest here. However, biased completely to the truth. And um, we will be focusing on also adding a lot of humour to it because you don't laugh, you'll cry. Or drown. Or find yourself dead in a ditch like Boris will be. <laughs> be dead in a ditch. <laughs> God. You would think the biases would be crying in the background. You can just hear them. <laughs> I quit. You know what? I, I tell you something. I cannot wait to find out what's going to happen day by day with this Brexit thing. It's just, it's been a combination of of excitement and what the fuck's going on. Dread. And dread and horror <laughs> and frustration. It's like, it's like the best kind of reality TV show if it weren't real, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, if um, it wasn't our futures, I'd love this. Yeah, I mean, I'm at the stage with, with with all this Brexit thing. You know, I go through different stages. You know, at some point, I'll be like, you know what, just denial, anger, yeah. regret. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah, and, and, like you know, a stage of a breakup, but with the political stability of our country. It, it's literally every day is like going through a marriage and a divorce. Every single day, a new marriage, <laughs> a new divorce, which is a bit like uh, the life of Boris Johnson. <laughs> Yeah, but the divorce is messy and she gets the house. Well, you know, that, that not, kind of a feeling going from that. Mm. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll, we'll park that feminist bullshit to one side. <laughs> oh, at the end of the day, fun. if I'm paying for the goddamn house, then it's my house. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You get the goddamn house. <laughs> That's basically what, where I am with, with Brexit. I mean, the other day I found myself, I was driving home miserable. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's your permanent state, though, let's be honest here. <laughs> it, it is, to be honest. And I just thought to myself, you know what? Fuck everyone. Fuck this country. Fuck the lot of... Fuck everyone. Let's just get out of the EU. Let's just hard Brexit. Sod everyone. I, I hope they all bloody suffer. Every single one of these people who voted for Brexit. You come from a place of... Don't you have dual citizenship? Yeah. I do actually. I have I have tri citizenship, so I have two other Three. Options. Yeah. Well you're all <laughs> you have no right to be angry, mate. You can run away to a different country. I am stuck here for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, so Just, I, like I... marry somebody from like New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Get my sister in law to me up with someone. Mail order bride from Cornwall. <laughs> oh god. No, I think the main thing with Brexit that really gets me is I wouldn't hate the Brexit ne- movement near as much I, as I did if they would stay out my flipping Facebook comment section. None of them do any of themselves any favours. Literally, yellow hammer. Apparently, that's just a big conspiracy theory. Oh, my God, yes. I remember the day that that finally was, was released to the public after a court appeal or something like that. And... Uh... Yeah, it was it was all one big conspiracy. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, it's just scaremongering." It was like scaremongering released by a pro Brexit government, right? Yeah, well, exactly. And and also the thing that annoyed me the most was was um, when they were saying, "Oh no, this is a worst case planning scenario." So you, I mean, you know, the worst case is I go out my front door, yeah, and I get run over, but I'm not going to prepare for that. It's like, well, no, 
Yellowhammer <laughs> is worst case realistic planning. It's not yeah. the worst thing that could ever happen without any form of, of realism applied. It's not even worst case scenario, though. That is just a no deal Brexit planning. Oh, yeah. Like they make it out like it's never going to happen. But if no deal Brexit happens, it will happen that way. And, and the key word in, in the title of this document is reasonable worst case planning. It's like it's like if you put reasonable risk on a risk assessment. You wouldn't be able to do that, really. <laughs> it's like, you know, flamethrowing would be at reasonable risk when it comes to college activities. It would never be approved. Exactly. And, and also, do you know the other thing that kind of, do you know what? It wasn't the, the content of, of it all because I just thought, you know what? Everything's fucked anyway. So it was the fact that it was only six pages long and one of the pages was blank. They redacted a whole load, though, didn't they? They tried to hide a lot, I think, at the beginning and it was released over time but it was just like we've seen it all week <laughs> what is there that is worse than lorries using motorways as car parks yeah like they're talking thousands and thousands of like lorries and that that would be pen it was just like so nice knowing you paracetamol well you yeah never. and well, going back to, to to it just being five pages i is that literally the the only worst case planning that has has been done? It's just five pages worth of of bullet points. Yeah, it's really concerning. Not yeah, because it's not just concerning in what's in it. It's the lack of preparation, and then the government pays out. How much did they pay out on that Brexit kind of propaganda that I've seen? Bloody hard. It goes prepare for Brexit, and um, then yes. they suddenly go, "Oh no, we're prepared for Brexit now." It's like me putting out an advert for a company, buying a domain name, and they going. Yeah, I'm open for business now. Mm-hmm. It's it's not preparing. They're not prepared. Nobody is prepared. We're we're in the same month, and still we don't know what it is. We do not know. Also, as well, looking through it as well, um, I get the feeling that they've thrown in some really. Um, I don't know how to describe it, really vague stuff that's not really relevant to a normal person, such as point 0.16, which is a small minority of insurance payments from UK insurances into you may be delayed. Who gives a shit? And then straight I after that. I about ins- insurance payments. What I want to know is, will I be getting my meds? Like, will I be able to buy my food? Yeah. Will I be able to afford my clothes? Like, that's what I want to know. Will my rights still be protected? Will the environment still be protected? How will it affect tourism in my local area? Because I live in Cornwall. Tourism is our main industry here. I struggle to believe that anybody would go to Cornwall for tourism. They reasons. do. Really? The, we have beautiful beaches and incredibly beautiful settlements like Stonehenge. We have a mini little Stonehenge almost. Several of them here. It's gorgeous. We have one of the largest starling roosts in Europe. Cornwall votes overwhelmingly to leave. Yeah. What got me about that was that we are a farming and tourist area. Both of them rely on the EU. My job, like I work in tourism and my job, all EU citizens. Honest to goodness, it's EU and New Zealand. That's all we get. Hardly anybody from Britain. It's still voted overwhelmingly to leave. That's so ridiculous. RMP. You know, when I'm feeling bad, I do go on his Facebook page and be like, hmm, let's have some fun here. <laughs> to be fair, though, doesn't necessarily surprise me. Cornwall's always had a very strong independence streak. There is even a Corn- Cornish independence movement, which takes itself somewhat seriously, where they genuinely believe that Cornwall should just be independent from the rest of Britain. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let me let me inter- interrupt you there. Are you seriously telling me that there's a movement in Cornwall for Cornwall to be independent? Yeah, to be its own country. <laughs> Cornwall. Cornwall. Yeah, we can't be associated with Devon in any way, clearly. 
Oh, fucked. Oh, fucked. <laughs> We're just doomed. I'm not being funny, but like Fraser had it right. We're all doomed. But we, we can't panic. Too panic. Going, going back to the Operation Yellowhammer. So straight after point 16 about the insurance payments, point 17 is low-income groups will be disproportionately affected by any price rises in food and fuel. I mean, it's just a freaking obvious, isn't it? We already knew that. We knew that the people who would be hit hardest by Yellowhammer would be the poor. Mm. And it's by Yellowhammer, by Brexit, in the context of Yellowhammer. Yeah, yeah. Which is just why people, like, go and Boris, they stand to gain, though, because the plan plummets, they gain. The rest of us, we don't. Also, I think, though, with Brexit voters, the, the ones who will be affected the most, I think they've become so obtuse in all this over the past three years that they're now at the point where they are actually, uh, I'm looking at Facebook comments, they are literally saying, I don't care if pr- food prices rise and I don't care if um, if the local economy suffers. It will all be worth it because sovereignty, blue passports. Yeah. The craziest thing I came across was I have a family friend uh, who is undergoing chemo, cancer treatment and all that. She's relying on EU supplies, medical supplies. And I was like, well, how do you square being such a storm lever with the fact that it will ultimately impact your medication? She was like, oh, that's just scaremongering. Like, that won't actually happen and it's worth it. And I'm just like, keeping you alive and the government released official document. Like, it's not just a leaked kind of, oh, it could be true, but it could also be bullshit. That is an efficient official and it's reasonable it could happen yeah and she stands to lose everything and she was still like oh it's worth it though because britain needs to be independent it was like shocking like it's just that level of just bone-headed well, uh, do you know what i think with, with, with it all is that that they people are willing to sacrifice all of that because they they believe and this is my own personal conspiracy theory is that these people believe that no matter how much they suffer it will be nothing in comparison to the suffering of Johnny foreigners and immigrants. And therefore, for them, it's worth it. What? I mean, when the reality of it is that they will not, immigrants and Johnny foreigners in this country will not suffer. Nowhere near as much as we will. In the long yes. run, we are the ones that will deal with the crash in economy that will ultimately come from Brexit. Exactly. But the thing is that I think looking long term and being a bit of a be a bit of a hippie obviously i'm looking at this and i'm going yeah you don't like immigration now but this is distracting from green laws and europe holds a lot of sway over kind of environmental policies and once we leave those policies will no longer be in effect will they we're not going to keep them on because they hinder our farmers well you know what the immigration right now will be absolutely nothing compared to the immigration that will take place with climate change, because entire swathes of land, countries will be, wouldn't be able to host human life. Places like Australia, New Zealand, parts of America, where it's already really extreme climates, they will become more extreme. Places where they already flood annually, we've already seen it become just massively, disproportionately more. Those people will be coming to places like England for the temperate climate and their relative safety. <laughs> and it's like, well, immigration now is nothing compared to them. Yeah. I mean, well, we're now getting into the Greta Doomberg territory of everything's doomed. Oh, we're all going to die. Greta Thunberg. Okay, no. not. I think that Greta is fantastic at what she does because she has. she's on the spectrum. 
So she has this single-minded focus, which I think is fantastic. But what she's saying is not that we're all going to die. It's that... I think she, I think she, she is, to be fair. Okay, like there is a fair, fair bit of overture of that, but I kind of <laughs> like that. I feel like it brings a sense of urgency that has just been missing. Because what gets me about this, what really, like, whew, what really pisses me off, <laughs> what really bloody vegetarianizes my pasty, <laughs> what really irritates me is the fact that my mum is, you know, mother age. And when she was younger, they were taught about the ozone, climate change, things like that back in the 80s when hairsprays still contained as pasty. Yeah, when, when, when everything so happens. much of it. When everything had asbestos, hairspray had asbestos, food had asbestos, asbestos was, was part you of the national diet. Asbestos. <laughs> it's just, it's the best thing for health, honestly. It's like arsenic for the Victorians. <laughs> you used to have this radioactive uh, health water. I fuck you not, you couldn't make this stuff up. But um, the thing that gets me was that they knew about this and they knew it was going to be like coming and they knew it was going to be dangerous like 40 years ago. And yet they leave it until it's like, well, we've got about 12 years left, give or take, before it's like, Epidemic really? Of death. <laughs> really? Like, it kind of irritates me. This level of procrastination, even for me, is a bit extreme. A bit far. <laughs> but, okay, so, I mean, going back to, to Greta, one of the, the issues that I have is that... Um, you, you stole her childhood? I, I stole her childhood. She and... should not be here! <laughs> How... <laughs> It, do, do you know what? It, it's this. It, it's frustrating to to because it means because she's sixteen, we're not allowed to have an adult conversation. Because on the one hand, oh, she's she's still a child. You can't say mean things. But on the other hand, oh, you have to believe everything she says. Well, hang on, which is it? She's either a child, and we you know dismiss her as a child, or we treat her like an adult, and therefore we're allowed Challenge to abuse like an adult. And and yeah, and not be so goddamn sensitive to any form of criticism. Now, I think I'm, I'm, you've got that fault with Greta as well because you've got that like disability spectrum thing as well. So you kind of like a lot of people have been caught up on saying things like, I think to a certain extent, yeah, you've got to be aware of that. But I've like seen things where people are just saying things that if it was any other activist would have been fine because it's like valid criticism. But they're like, <gasps> but she's autistic, and it's like, yeah, but. She's put herself into a conversation, and a conversation is that it's two-sided and both ways. Yeah. But it does irritate me. I do think people are a bit obsessed obsessed with with her autism, as if it's you know a new discovery that was only discovered last year. That you know autism never existed. But autism is neither here nor there, really. Like obviously, I think part of it does give her that kind of drive and that single-minded focus that has got her where she is. But ultimately, like, why are they making such a big deal of it? I kind of get irritated because instead of going, "Oh my God, this sixteen-year-old talked at a UN conference and she's done this and the other," they go, "This autistic," and it's like, who cares? Nobody cares. You're just downplaying what she says and what she does, and they're trying to make it seem less valid through her disability. I do, I do have an issue as well with, with her parents because I can't see any situation. Oh, because the mum, no, 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 not, the European pop star. Woman. No, no, I couldn't care less what, what she is, whether she flips burgers or whether she's the uh, emperor of of the EU. It's it's more to do with the fact that I can't see myself as a parent wanting my child to be in the spotlight like this. I'd want them to just be a fucking child, enjoy yourself, mess around on Facebook, 
I don't know. I don't know what kids do nowadays, but they go on Snapchat every now and then, go to the cinema. Every now and then. Well, you're just making yourself seem old right now. You're not doing yourself any favors. But you know what I mean. I, I'd want Watch my, my 14, 15, or 16 year old child to be a fucking child and not to. I don't know. If I was her parents, I would be so incredibly proud right now. Honest to goodness, I think I would be very upset about what people would say. Well, I would also be counting down the, the days before she has a fucking breakdown. Oh, uh, that's, yeah. That's nothing to do with, with, with whether she has autism, if that she has autism. I, that's nothing to do with that. It's the fact that that level of spotlight. She's a child yeah, in a, a spotlight. Child. And that level of criticism and bullshit that people are throwing her way. It never ends well. I don't know how she's supposed to do that. It never ends well. She better have a good team of counsellors and psychoanalysts behind her back helping her along because yeah. if it was me i would be rocking backwards and forwards in the corner in a straight jacket yeah. by this point with her yeah exactly but i mean one of the things i think is great that she has done is she's made everybody talk about it people that would never have talked about it. even if even if all they're saying is oh it's a load of bullshit and then they copy and paste some fake articles on, on All Facebook. All attention's good attention, isn't it? <laughs> All press is good press. Yeah, I mean, at least people are talking about it. Yeah, I've heard, I'm on, like, one or two group chats, like, a normal teenager. More than they haven't go at her for, like, she signed a deal with Rolex, I think. I was seeing an advert with her and Rolex in it, and they're like, oh, she's doing this, and it's like, honest to goodness, yeah, climate activist, but, like, who here goes out and buys, like, ten Rolexes? Like you buy a Rolex, you look out, you look after it for like the rest of your life. You kind of stroke it lovingly every now and again, and leave it in the box. Let's be honest here. Wait, she's got a sponsorship deal with Rolex. She's got to pay for that carbon neutral yacht that's taking around the country. Wait, are you saying that she's? It's got to be so expensive. You're saying she's sponsored, being sponsored by Rolex? I think so. I don't know. She has some kind of deal with them, though, and people are criticizing. Hey, do you know what? It's probably the, the boat. Because I see Rolex do sponsor quite a lot of boat races and stuff. Yeah, because she's on that kind of carbon neutral. But at the same time, why the hell not? I know, and people keep giving her crap, but I was like, if it was any other kind of public figure, you would just be like, oh, good for them, that's really cool. Yeah. I wonder if they're doing a giveaway. Yeah. But because it's her, they have to turn into this big thing, and it just, I don't get it. I just think that's petty. It's genuinely so petty. Petty, I think that's exactly the word, because, I mean, that most of the criticism that I'm seeing against people who are talking about the climate is, oh, look at them, they're a hypocrite. They have a phone. They drive in their car. They eat at McDonald's. <laughs> and it's like, hang on, since when was that a valid form of debate or criticism that somebody is doing something? You know, if somebody says, I'm against can cancer, does that mean they're never allowed to be seen smoking? They're never allowed to drink anything? I think I get that too. So I, I go to college. So I'm, I'm young and unfortunate. Uh, sadly, I haven't made it big like Greta, so I can't travel the world. <laughs> You need to call George Soros. Yeah. So I've done a fair amount of, like, stuff in politics, and I did the talk at my party's conference uh, about climate change. Peter of the college was like, oh, my God, we've got a new climate activist. <laughs> I was walking down the corridors. I came back from my driving lesson, and I'm like, but driving isn't eco-friendly. How dare you drive? Yep. You're such a hypocrite. And it's like, I live a 40-minute walk from my nearest town, mm -hmm. and the buses never leave from that. I'm very sorry, but this is what we do. And I think it's it's 
it's a really lazy form of, of trying to... Um... It's just basically saying that they've got nothing valid to say. It's like, are we burning out of valid points and now we're just going to attack you personally? Yeah, and that's basically what it's become. I mean, let's move on to Extinction Rebellion or, or XR as, as all the young people, the cool young people are fucking calling Damn, it. I have mixed feelings. I, I don't have mixed feelings. I, I Well... <laughs> You can lead on this one. Okay, so on the one hand, I think what they're doing is... Okay, I need to be careful with my words here. Okay, so on the one hand, I think they're doing a great job in forcing people or forcing the discussion of climate change to come through. It's mm-hmm. fantastic to see that. There's people like me. Mm-hmm. I've I've never, and I'll be honest with you, I've never really given that much of a shit about the environment. My recycle bin... <laughs> be ready for your Facebook to blow up. <laughs> yeah, but, well, my recycle bin years ago was just full of any old shit because I just did not give a crap. But Oh, my God. Oh. It, well, <laughs> but now, thanks to, you know groups like Extinction Rebellion, they're making people like me question what we do and our habits. And I'm starting to make some small changes to, to the to the way I am. And I'm sure I'm, I'm not the only one. And I'm a stubborn person. So for me to... You really are. Oh, <laughs> to get you to change your ways, I think they've got to be doing something right. And the thing is, the co-founders, they are, you know, however much you may agree or disagree with the course of action they're taking or what they're doing, they are intelligent. They've got doctorates and there is research back this up they're doing it right i'm not gonna lie they are doing it in a way that's sociologically and psychologically that it's been proven that it works time and time again they're doing the same kind of things as suffragettes did in a lesser scale i guess well when i hear people say things like oh you know i get what they're saying but they shouldn't be protesting in such a disruptive way it's like well that's... if they don't disrupt people then they won't get their message out but i feel like they do sometimes take it to the point where you're like closing down heathrow airport for several weeks trying to do that with yeah no no <laughs> they were gonna fly like low level drones which would have closed i think heathrow airport down for like a month almost i think it would be and then when they were arrested before they could carry the plot out i was like that's the right thing to do though they were planning to break the law they're going but they hadn't done anything wrong but it's like well if you if you find the plans to break into a bank on a guy's computer that guy's gonna get arrested right exactly well shutting down like the main airport in britain they're gonna get arrested yeah i did not see what was wrong with the police's actions that i just thought that xr were in the wrong with that one because it's not just like planes don't just carry people out for a jolly holiday yeah, there, there is that view. People could have missed their, like, relations funerals, you know, that that's work involved. You know, military, it's just, there's so much more than just, oh, we're going out to Mallorca for a week kind of thing. And I think shutting it down, I just thought that was a bit wrong too far. The, the other side of Extinction Rebellion that I think uh, that I don't like is... They want to take things as extreme as, as possible because I've, I've seen some interviews with, with, you know, with people who are protesting and they don't talk about small changes. They don't talk about they're not interested in, in winning hearts and minds. For them, I think it's all about an ideology that they want to push forward and they don't care whether whether it wins any hearts or minds. It's their ideology and that's the way it is. And I don't think that's a smart way to operate. The, uh, part of well, part of minority influence is this flexibility and I don't feel like they have it. Precisely. You have to be willing to show like a give and take and be like, yeah, I'm willing to compromise. I'll take this and we can move on from this. Like they just don't have that. And I think that really does not help their case at all. 
I think, wait, one of the things I think they did that I thought was a class move was the time they sprayed the blood, the fake blood everywhere. Yeah. I read it in a news article, I think it was around Parliament, and I was just like, oh, bloodbath, that is modern politics. Perfect. <laughs> I thought that was classy as hell. I mean, one of the things, so with, with Greta and um, Extinction Rebellion, one thing I really do like about both of those is that it really pisses off the kind of people that I like to see really pissed off. <laughs> it is a good, like, filtration system for the arseholes of Facebook, let's be honest here. Yeah, yeah. Like, it brings out the, the truth in people, issues like XR and Brexit. You can just be like, unfriend, unfriend, block. Yeah, yeah. And it's good for, like, you know when the times you just want to pick a fight? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Put some of those up in your wall. Crack your knuckles, sit back and enjoy. Yeah, do you know what my my favourite is? Is to put something up um, just before you go to sleep. Something about Extinction Rebellion and how how wonderful you think they are. And you wake up to some beautiful positivity online. Yeah, well, the great thing is you, you wake up to see, what, uh, 23 notifications. And then when you go into them, you realise there's only six comments left because half the <laughs> have blocked you. Because <gasps> shock horror, someone's got a different opinion to them. <gasps> no, that, that it, it is a good laugh. But there are times when it's been, like, taken too far, and there are times when you just can't. Every single online debate, without fail, I will always be asked the same freaking questions. And one of them is, how old are you, child? And the second one is, are you a mother? And it's like, what? Why? Does anybody on your Facebook need to ever ask if you're a father on any kind of political online discussion? Yeah, women do that all the time. Whenever I have any, whenever I dare to have a fucking opinion about anything remotely related to parenting or children, it's always, well, are you a parent? It's like, well, I, I'm not, but, but I'm also not Jewish, so I, therefore I can still have a valid opinion about Auschwitz being a motherfucking terrible thing. I know. See, here's the thing. I get it. The most I get it is in death penalty things. I'm like, I don't need to be a mother to have people I love in my life. Like, I'm a twin. I would literally do anything for my twin brother. I have parents, I have family. But, like, the thing is, especially with things like that, yeah, you can get into the emotional bit, but I'm not even talking about the emotional, like, oh, the humans aspect of it. You're talking about the legal side of it, the dangers of when you open up that mud side. And then it's always a woman as well, and she's always pro-death penalty, and she'll always put it in all caps with incorrect use of ellipsis, and it's not even ellipsis because that's three dots, and she'll use a minimal of four or five. And she'll be like, are you a mother? <laughs> and it's like, so is that, it's like Shania, generic name, no just anybody knows Shania. Who got knocked up at 16 and dropped out of secondary? Like, are you saying that she has more of a valid opinion about this than me? Yeah, just by virtue of spunking out a child. Yeah, I'm not being funny. Just so stupid and get knocked up. I'm not saying you have to be stupid to get knocked up. But just because you have a child... Does help. Does not help <laughs> about things like that. Like, I don't know anything about a mother-daughter bomb thing. But I don't care. I have a twin brother. I have those things like... You don't even have to love somebody to understand that if somebody murdered somebody you liked or loved, you'd want them dead, but it doesn't make it right. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to flunk off class, but I know that's wrong, so I don't. 
that purely emotional argument is just so flawed and so subjective and just does not really stand up at all. It's just like trying to undermine any argument you may have. Hello? I'm just trying to think of um, a way to shoehorn um, Labour, <laughs> the Labour Party into this. and um... Yeah, no, Labour... Labour supporters are interesting ones. They're hard to get on side. Like, Lib Dem, Brexit and Tories, if you want to get one of those on your side, diss Labour. With Labour supporters, I think it's just like, bring out a fence to sit on, really. Because that's what they seem to like doing. Well, I mean, the problem, big problem I have with the majority, it's the majority of them. So I don't want anyone commenting or saying, oh, my name's Brian, and what you described as Labour supporters is not nothing like I am. It's like, well, I don't give a shit. I'm talking generally. So my best friend, used, well, my closest friends, basically family by this point, used to be a Labour Party supporter. She used to be part of the Cornish Labour Party. God. And I don't care. Like, Labour Party, they're quite nice people, to be fair. Like, I don't have a real issue with the people. It's just the party as a whole, I suppose. It, it, it's their members. It's... Like, not in the same way as I... Like, Brexit party people, I have an issue with those. Labour, not really. They're fun to wind up, but, like, so is everybody. Let's be clear here. I mean, the, the thing, the problem I have with them as a whole, um, especially, you know, interacting with them, is that... Everyone's a fucking Tory. You do tend to bring out the worst in them. Not being funny, but like, they do like, Lib Dem, you're a yellow Tory. And it's like, not really, no. Yeah, basically anything you say, anything you say that is... Tory! Yeah, basically that. It's just straight away. Anything you dare to say that dear old Jeremy might not like, it's suddenly, you're, well, you won't say that you're a Tory. I'm like, no, I'm a member of the Liberal Democrats. Oh, they're the most Tory of the Tories. So they like, well... I don't think it works like that. Oh, they're just like, like the, the Lib Dems are basically Tories. I'm like, have you, have you, like, people who say that, it's like very clear they have not looked into it at all. We're pretty centrist, I would say, as a party. We just like, we hang out in the middle, but we have opinions. Like, we don't just like wishy-washy sway, maybe, you know, maybe not. Well, and also, like the Labour Party. one key thing we don't do is we, we don't try to deselect our own MPs because, oh, shock horror, they have a different opinion. Because actually representing the views of their constituencies instead of, like, the, the things that people forget is that MPs are there to represent the constituencies they're elected into. So if the constituency decides, fuck no, I think this is a bad idea, it's the MP's job to say that, whether it goes with the whip or not. And by taking away that voice of the MP, it's not about the MP, it's about the people who voted for that MP and that constituency who no longer have a representative mm-hmm. in the House of Commons. Yeah, I, I, that's just not democratic. I think I think the greatest. Say you you want about the revoke Article Fifty. That is ruining democracy. Not any kind of party policy. That is. I mean, I, I think the greatest asset that the Conservative Party have are Labour supporters and and voters. It's the greatest asset that the Conservatives could ever 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 hope for is the Labour Party membership and Jeremy Corbyn, because that's the only reason that the Conservatives are still in power, and that's the only reason that they will win the next general election. Mm. Here's the thing as well, though. What got me about that withdrawing the whip thing? They, they didn't have, I think they barely scraped a working majority. They don't have one now, and yet they decided, they decided, let's basically effectively decrease our majority <laughs> even more, and then complain when nothing gets passed in our favour. I mean, that's crazy, man. That is crazy logic there. 
So, I mean, with, with Labour support, so the only thing that they can come out with when it comes to the Liberal Democrats, when they say, oh, they're yellow Tories, is uh, the same thing that they always go back to and they go refer back to the coalition and they refer, it's like their life is revolved around um, anything after 2010 didn't happen, apart from obviously Comrade Corbyn. Yeah. Um, and they talk nonstop about austerity as if every other party is allowed austerity when in fact labor are the ones who grew groomed the country into austerity the country didn't just wake up in 2009 and suddenly decide you know what we think austerity is the best way no we had gordon brown and his government groom this this country into believing austerity was the way forward they did such a great job of convincing the country that that it was the best way forward that the country decided hey you know what the tories do austerity the best therefore Let's vote conservative. Yeah. The thing that gets me is I do canvassing for the Lib Dems. I am a Lib Dem. And ashamedly, clearly a yellow Tory. But I get people who like, love to personally blame me for the coalition. It's like, I'm 17. I doubt I was in government at 2010. <laughs> I was like, at, at that time, I don't think I even knew who the prime minister was. <laughs> they love to do that personal blame thing but it's, it's like, like well uh, if you why why would i choose a comment well yeah it's it's a case of oh if you don't support labor then you hate disabled people and you want them all dead so well let's tone it tone it down a bit here labor i don't think labor are even the best party for disability oh i just know the thing is the labor sport is i myself have joint issues i have chronic joint issues my friend i have a friend who has lupus and all that stuff like I am in like kind of chronically fucked up kind of category and with people who are in that category as well in that kind of circle. Labour's not the best for that. Honest to goodness, they are not the best. And no matter what party comes into power, none of them will actually do what it takes to deal with the issues. Because it will it will lose and hemorrhage votes. And at the moment there's only one party that really that doesn't care about losing and hemorrhaging votes and losing general elections and that's uh, that's Labour. Mm. Um, but even Labour don't nec- don't do what's needed because what is needed will be expensive, hard, and unpopular for everybody minus the um, disabled community. <clears throat> and that's the hard fact of it. And they don't know. The parties just simply don't really know. People do a lot of party bashing. And I, I do. I, I admit I do. But politics bashing needs to be done more overall. Because absolutely every single party has some things where I'm a bit like, you joking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even my party, like even the Lib Dems, there are some things that they pass where I'm just like, oh my God, here we go again. <laughs> this ain't going to go down well at all. I do think the, the whole revoke Article 50 thing, that was not uh, not the brightest idea. I voted against that. I was just like, what the blooming hell? It was giving votes away to Labour. We should have just been like, vote Labour. Well, the thing is... There's some like lesser-known things, like we had a new Prison Reform Act that has some parts of it where I'm a bit like, well, that is really disconnected and bad, but uh, hey-ho. Remember that one? The thing is, when you're you're allowed to have that opinion in, in, in the party that you're in, whereas, you know, if you're a Labour Party member and you criticise anything about the party, then you're immediately accused of being a Blairite, a, a Zionist, a, and, and a Tory, mm-hmm. sometimes all three. And, like, obviously, like, if you're in the Conservative Party, you'll just be a kicked out of the party, you'll have whips drawn, so, um, 
<laughs> I mean, I, what can you do? <laughs> but okay, people who go, all politicians are corrupt. I don't have anything to do with it. They're just all talk shit. I don't vote, but I'm not going to complain about Brexit. And it's like, I have an issue with that on so many levels. It's just, it's just lazy. Because that's all it is. It's just lazy. If you, yeah, and if you have the vote, you know, you're lucky enough to be over eighteen, a citizen, able to get down to polling stations. Can't you vote via post as well? Postal voting. Yeah, you you can. Isn't that a thing? That's what you do if you want um, Labour to win. You you have fake loads of postal vote. <laughs> That's illegal. So now we know what you're going to do in that for election. <laughs> Um, but you have all these means of voting, and I get that some people don't do it for religious reasons. Um, I think Jehovah's Witnesses aren't they a group that goes, we're not going to vote. But the thing that gets me is then you see them online complaining about Brexit. Or like, I was talking to a Jehovah's Witness and she was going, oh, it's terrible that they allow abortion. And it's like, well, you could have had a say in that, but you chose not to. And then you go and complain about it. And I think that's kind of a tad like not okay you know if you if you have to say you choose not to use it and then you just complain about it in retrospect i just don't have any respect for that really well yeah i mean if you think if you want to think that all politicians are corrupt then go out and vote for the local independent candidate oh isn't that some kind of monster party which you can vote for as a joke Oh, like you can deface your ballot, but go out to vote. Turn out and... If you want to spoil your vote, vote for the fucking Green Party. <laughs> I like them. I have a soft spot for them. They're never going to get into power, and I don't think they'd be particularly good in power. But, like, you've got to feel for the underdog in this situation. Yeah, but at the same time, where do they exist? My mum my mom likes them. And our local Green Party candidate's quite nice. She's a nice person. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure... I'm sure they're lovely, but I, I'm always fearful of single-issue parties. Not going to vote for them. I, I don't like single-issue parties. UKIP, Greens, Brexit Party. Single-issue parties are so reductionist that I just think they would do a really bad job in power because the thing about a country is it has all so many different issues. And if you just focus the environment, then what's going to happen to Brexit? You know, if you just focus on Brexit, what's going to happen to the environment, what's going to happen to austerity, what's going to happen to schools, the military, you can't just go, this is my issue, <laughs> everything else can sort itself, like, no. Yeah. That's just unrealistic and, like, as you said, quite worrying. Just having a look at the time. Shall we wrap up? Okay. Cool beans. So this has been an interesting little discussion. Obviously, as we kind of go on and do more podcasts, it'll get more polished. Little fucking discussion. Whoa, 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 whoa. Little discussion. Groundbreaking. Interesting big debate. Very important. It'll hit the times tomorrow, don't you worry. (laughs) But obviously, as we go on, it'll get more polished. It'll become better. We'll have more to talk about. I mean, there is a never-ending source of controversy and like, oh, Rex, it's going to be juicy and fun to deal with, isn't it? So yes. that'll never get old. Weren't we thinking of a kind of a month kind of a thing where we pick somebody who we think has been particularly repulsive in politics and media recently and we name and shame? Oh, my God, yes, yeah. 
And it's going to be your kind of court there, isn't it? Exactly. And um, I think we'll be able to get some people in for for an interview. So, I, yeah, I have one or two people who've already said about possibly coming on. So that would be a fun little trip. Oh, and, and with, there's an open invitation to, to um, somebody from the Labour Party or if you're a Labour Party supporter and you want to join the podcast and experience what it feels like to have an adult conversation. I think that it would be good if we could get at least one supporter from every single party on possibly to hear their perspective. It would be nice to hear where people stand on this because like we take the piss, but like we generally want to know where these are coming from. (laughs) Okay, we'll leave it there. Bye. That's Politics Podcast, presented by Yasinat Gung and Freya Greaves. Audio post-production by Sam Matt Dempsey, news theme by BD Productions.